Well, for those of you who weren't here last week, and uh, I know we have several, we had a sermon showing how Jesus heals racial and ethnic division among his people. And we know that that's a problem in our culture today, in the whole world. It has been throughout history. But with all of the media that we have to watch on a 24-hour basis these days, a lot of these stories are brought to the, to the front. And it's causing a lot of division in our country. And, uh, you know, people are trying to deal with it. There are marches taking place. There are protests taking place and so on and so forth. And they're trying to uh, restore some sense of unity in our country. And again, it's not just in America that this is happening, but uh, in countries all around the world. But Jesus teaches us in his word how he heals division of that sort of thing, whether it's racial division, ethnic division, division between the sexes, whatever the case may be. And we, we turn, I'm going to turn again to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read in verse 14 how he provided the solution and the healing to the problem that we have of division amongst people who are different from one another. You know, it's part of fallen human nature. That's really the cause of it, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And we saw division within a family. We had Adam and Eve, and they had their sons, Cain and Abel, and what happened? One of the sons murdered the other one. So division goes all the way back to the beginning, and it happened after the first sin, and it's just been getting worse and worse. But it says here in Ephesians 2, verse 14, he's speaking specifically here about the division between Jews and Gentiles in Jesus' day. It says, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace. And that's what we want in the world today, isn't it? That's what we want in our families. That's what we want in the situation where we work, at school, whatever the case may be. Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two, in this case, Jew and Gentile, one. But this cure works for any type of division, not just between Jews and Gentiles. And he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And we talked last time about how that referred to the laws that God originally gave the people of Israel that made them different. He says in verse 15, this is how he did it, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, in Jesus, one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, his death on the cross, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So the way that Jesus achieved peace between hostile groups was in his flesh on the cross. Through the cross, when he died on the cross for all mankind, he killed the hostility, the scripture says. He removed the differences that cause suspicion, jealousy, fear, and hatred. And he made us all one. So it changes our perspective on things. We talked about this last week. Normally speaking, when you look around, 
you see people who are different from you. And in some cases, you have fear of them. In some cases, you suspect them. In some cases, uh, you know, you were raised maybe with certain hostilities toward people that are different from you. You know, we all had parents who taught us certain things. We've all had life experiences over the years that maybe set a frame of mind for ourselves toward other people. You know, some of you sitting here today have fought in wars against people of other cultures and languages. And you remember your experiences there as well. But by Jesus' death on the cross, he rescued all of us. No matter what your language is, your race is, your culture, he rescued us from God's judgment. So we are all, regardless of our race, ethnicity, political affiliation, language, etc., on a level playing field before the cross. Because we are all sinners in need of a savior. So in other words, what, what Jesus is helping us to do is to change our perspective in life. Instead of looking at other people as different, we are to look at other people as being similar to us in that Jesus died for them just as he died for us. And they need Jesus as a savior just as we need Jesus as a savior. So as we all stand before the cross of Christ, we're all on a level playing field, aren't we? Nobody's better than anybody else. Now, they may be in the eyes of society. You've got the rich and the poor. You've got the slave and the free. You've got this and that. But God wants to change our perspective. And really, that's the only way that this problem is going to be solved. God's purpose is to create a new nation, a new race of people a new ethnicity that transcends any physical divisions. And this nation is made up of those who are members of God's household. So you know what? We have a limited view of Christianity living in this country. Some of you have traveled. I know I had the opportunity to do that. I've had the opportunity to go to different countries where they were not speaking English and to sit in on church services and hear people praising God in a language that I didn't understand. And that's a wonderful thing. But you know what, it's eye-opening because you realize Christianity isn't just in America. This nation that Jesus is creating, this nation of people, believers, encircle the world. And it's people from all different ethnic backgrounds, racial backgrounds, whatever the case may be. So God is in the, in the process of doing this, and it requires a change in our outlook toward other people, putting the perspective where it needs to be, and not allowing physical divisions to keep us apart. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. When you become a believer, when you hear the gospel and respond to it, you believe it, you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, your status, so to speak, is changed. No longer are you just a male or a female or white or black or Hispanic or uh, Asian uh, living in this country or that country. 
your whole status has changed. Notice what Peter says here, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And this transcends language barriers, racial barriers, whatever. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So understand our status has changed. Sometimes we're very limited and we still look at ourselves only in physical terms. Well, I'm an American. I'm from Ohio. I happen to be uh, white. I happen to be a male. I happen to speak English. You know, this, that. But God says, look beyond that. Look beyond the physical to the status you have been given now as a believer. And this view, this perspective, needs to draw people together. It needs to bring peace and unity rather than division and war and uh, violence. Because all those things are based on ignorance and they're based on prejudice and prejudging people. When we look at this perspective, we're all on a, a level playing field. We're all equal before God. We're all sinners in need of a savior. And you know what, as you interact with people on any given day, you don't know whether people are Christians or not. That's between them and God. But we need to treat people, no matter who they are, with the same kind of compassion that God treats us, that he treats all people with. So this is who Jesus gave all believers the opportunity to be. And this unity that we have in Jesus makes any physical differences in this life, skin color, ethnic background, totally insignificant. Now there still are differences. I mean, when you look at somebody, maybe you can tell that they're from a different country or you listen to them speak and they sound different. And those physical differences may still exist, but we're to rise above that, God says. And we're to look at people differently now because we're all equal before God. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for everybody. Now, we heard that good news and we responded to it. We're believers. And there are a lot of people out there who maybe haven't heard the gospel yet, haven't had a chance to respond. Maybe some have rejected it. Maybe some just don't care. But you know what? Jesus died for them as well, just as he died for us. And we hope that someday they do respond. In fact, God has given us a commission to not only live the gospel, but to share the gospel whenever we have the opportunity with the hope that somehow some of those people will respond and believe as we have. That's what we're here for. That's what the church is here for. We're not just to enjoy our own salvation, but we're to live and share the gospel when we have the opportunity. That's the commission he gave to the church. Go and make disciples. So we were taught by our parents and maybe others many wrong ideas about people who are different from us. But now as mature Christians, we need to root out all of those judgmental attitudes. You know what? There are good and bad people in all races and in all cultures. Turn to now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. The title of the sermon is New Creation, and we're going to read here that we are part of a new creation already. It's not something that's going to happen in the future, but it is, it is something that has already started, and we're a part of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. So based on what we've been talking about now, Paul has some advice for us. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So what's a worldly point of view? Well, you see somebody who's different from you and you judge them right away. You think, well, I don't feel comfortable around that person, or they're not speaking my language, or their customs are different. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm suspicious. I'm suspicious about them. We don't view anybody anymore from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So remember Paul, before he was called into the church, his name was Saul and he was a Pharisee. And what did he think back then of Jesus Christ? Well, he thought that Jesus Christ and all of his followers were enemies of God. So Paul, as a Pharisee, had the responsibility of traveling around and seeking out Christians, persecuting them, and maybe even putting some to death if they didn't recant their beliefs. So that's why Paul said, I used to regard Jesus in a worldly way. But once he was called, once he was converted, he became a Christian, a believer, his whole outlook changed. And from that point on, he lived his life for this Jesus Christ. And his, his uh, job was to shepherd believers. A total 180 turnaround in Paul's life. So he said, just as our attitudes toward Jesus have changed, our attitudes toward other people have to change too. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's you and me, he is a new creation. It doesn't say he or she will be a new creation. He says, if you're in Christ, in other words, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit has now come to dwell in you, you are now a new creation. Now, we know that the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that the time is coming in the future where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. You all remember that verse in the Revelation? That's going to be fantastic. What, that, what that's going to appear like and... It's going to blow us away. But that new creation has started now. And it has started in us. There's something that has been created in us that is working now, that is operating now. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is now a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. So only God can create. When you go back to the book of Genesis, 
you know, he said, let there be light, so on and so forth, the oceans, the, the uh, animals, the, the plants, finally uh, Adam and Eve, he created. And, and the words that describe that creation back in Genesis means he made something out of nothing. That's creation. Like I said, only God can do that. I can create something with some wood and a saw, or I can create something with a brush and paint, but God can create when there's nothing to work with from the beginning. He brings it into existence. So when he talks about us being a new creation, that is something that is new. In other words, he creates things out of nothing. He doesn't simply clean up our old nature. He creates something entirely new. So there's a new nature that exists in us now, that is an operation in us right now. The new has come. He says, he doesn't say the new will come, or it's sure, sure to come. If you're in Christ, the new has come. All of this, verse 18, is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you know what reconciliation means. It means when you have two parties that are separate and you bring them together. For those of you who worked in factories, if there was a union there, you know, uh, the management is opposed to the workers, to, to the union workers, there's a strike. Somebody's got to do something to bring the two parties to the table. There's got to be a reconciliation of some kind. Your marriage problems, uh, you know, the husband, the wife, they're, they're separated. If they truly want the marriage to work, they work with somebody who's going to bring them together, bring them to the, to the table and talk and discuss and, and be willing to sacrifice or to forgive, to bring the two, to reconcile the two together. So what did Jesus Christ do? He came to this earth to reconcile us. We had cut ourselves off from God because of our sin. And his job was to bring the two parties back together. And he did that by his death on the cross, okay? So he reconciled us to himself through Christ. But that's not the end of it, okay? We're in Christ now. We accepted Jesus Christ as our savior. We're saved, but that's not the end of it. He has given us a ministry of reconciliation. It says in verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What is that? The gospel. We live the gospel. We live our lives like we're saved, okay? And people from time to time will notice that. And they'll want to ask more or why are you, you know, in the midst of all this turmoil in this world, why do you seem to be okay? Why aren't you losing your mind like so many other people are? Why are you able to exist from day to day and find some joy in your life? You tell them, well, you know what, I'm Christian. I've given my life to, to Jesus Christ. And, you know, he guides me and provides for me every day. I don't have things to worry about. I'm okay. I rest in the Lord, okay? So 
if they have the opportunity to ask, well, how does that happen? You share with them. It's just a matter of accepting Jesus as your savior. He died for you on the cross already. He loves you desperately. All you have to do is realize that you're a sinner, just like I am, and ask for his forgiveness and ask him to be your savior. And that's it. That's it. So we have a message of reconciliation. We're not just content to be reconciled to God. We want other people to be reconciled too, just like we are, so that they can enjoy life with God as we do. So he goes on to say in verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now, what is an ambassador? Well, when a country sends a representative to another country, they send the ambassador. So we're ambassadors, we're here on this earth and in this country, the United States, where are we from? Where's our kingdom? In heaven, that's our kingdom. We're representing Jesus Christ in our life to whomever we come in contact with, the people at work. And I'm not saying we preach at them or condemn them for their sins. We humbly live a Christian life giving praise to God for any good thing that happens to us. So we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ to whomever we come in contact. You know, and you, you all have your own little corner of the world, the people you know, the, the groups that you hang out with, your family, your relatives, and so on and so forth. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And he is. How is God reaching people with the gospel? Primarily through us. The example that we set, the conversations we have, the life that we live, to live the gospel. So he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So not only us reconciling ourselves to God through Jesus Christ, but encouraging others to do the same. That's our message. Verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's exactly what happens when you become a believer. All of your sins are forgiven, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to your account. And that's why God considers us to be holy. Not because we are holy on our own. We have a holy Jesus Christ in us. A sinless Jesus Christ. And his sinlessness and his righteousness has been credited to us. So he says here that the old things about us have passed away. We're new. We're a new creation. The old things have passed away. Well, what, what are those old things? Well, everything that was part of our old nature, things like pride, love of sin, relying on works, on our former opinions on things, the new creation looks outwardly toward Jesus Christ rather than inwardly toward self. So changes have taken place, whether we realize it or not. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but I have days where, you know, things aren't going well. Maybe I'm in a bad attitude. <laughs> I start to think, new creation, Lord, really? Are you sure about that? I'm a, I'm a new creation. 
And he says, yes, you are. You are. We're still struggling with the fallen human nature, but we also have God's nature in us. And sometimes it's a daily battle. But dead things in us are being replaced by new things, full of life and the glory of God. The newborn soul delights in the things of God and abhors the things of the world and of the flesh. And I don't know about you, but there are days where I just think, I'm done. I'm done with this world. You know, this world is, is so different from the world I grew up in. I, you know, we, we think about the past a lot. We think when we were younger and things were better, well, they certainly weren't perfect, but they certainly weren't anything like they are today. And we long for Jesus to return. We long for that time when he's going to fix all things. All things are going to be made new. So we're changing. Our purposes, our feelings, our desires, our understandings are fresh and different because they're God-based. There are new feelings toward all people, a new kind of love toward family and friends, a new compassion never before felt for enemies, and a new love for all mankind. And sometimes it's a struggle, like I said. And I have to remind myself that, yeah, I am a new creation. I need to be in the process of pushing the old out of my life because it wants to keep coming back. There's a scripture that talks about the old person that we used to be. We bury them at baptism, but sometimes they want to come crawling back out of that grave and live their lives anew in us again. And we have to say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. I let, have to let the Holy Spirit do his work, and I need to comply with what he's trying to do in me. You know, you can dig your heels in and say, no, I'm not going to change anymore. I, I want to go back to the old things. But that's death for a Christian. We can't ever have that attitude. We need to let God do his work in us, a work that he wants to do, a work that he promises to complete in us. Let's turn to Ephesians 4, verse 22. What is the work that he's doing in us? He is turning us into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. Day by day, month by month, year by year. The change is gradual, but it is taking place. I always like it when people tell me stories. That they, they run into people that they used to know before they became a Christian, and Years and years ago, they used to hang out with these people and get into all sorts of trouble. And now they bump into this person again. And after a short uh, conversation, the person says to this, this Christian now, you've changed. <laughs> You're not anything like you used to be. And I tell them, that's a compliment. When somebody says that to you, when somebody says you've changed and you're not the old, you know, scoundrel you used to be and the old troublemaker you used to be, take that as a, as a compliment and give praise to God for that. Change happens slow and we don't see it. We look in the same mirror every morning and we see the same person. But when somebody hasn't seen you for a while, they take note. They notice that things have changed in your life for the better. They may not think it's for for the better because they're looking from their worldly perspective. But in God's eyes, it's for the better. 
Ephesians 4, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off. So see, there's a part you play in it too. The Holy Spirit's working powerfully in your life, but you need to comply. You need to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, none of the compliments go to us. We don't deserve them. It's God bringing about the changes. It's God's work in us. So we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Believe it. It's true. Scripture teaches it plainly. God is at work in you. You're not the same person that you used to be. And what God has created in you is something new. It's something different. It's part of the new creation. And the new creation is going to continue on, like I said, until ultimately everything is going to be new. A new heavens and a new earth. It talks about this whole universe being dissolved and burned up because it's no longer going to serve any physical purpose. The universe and all existence is going to be made for spirit. So you see, when you're physical, you enjoy going out, seeing the grass and the flowers and the animals. That, that's a creation for physical beings. That's us now. We're enjoying that. But when everything changes and there's no longer any physical people, and we're, our change takes place, and we're transformed, and it goes from physical to spiritual, well, there has to be a, a world more comparable for that kind of living, and a universe more comparable for that kind of living, and that's what God's going to provide for us. But finally, here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul talks about what we should be confident in. He says, being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, until Jesus returns. So he's at work with you and in you on a daily basis, on a constant basis. We need to realize what this new creation implies and what God expects of us. Especially, as I've said, when it comes to division. Because that's one of the greatest opponents of the gospel. Division amongst people. Where you separate yourself. You suspect other people. You don't trust other people. And when your attitude is like that, how can you share your life with somebody? How can you you know, have a friendship so that somebody notices what a Christian looks like and what it's like to live the gospel. We need to break down barriers. And again, like I said last week, don't take me politically. I'm not talking about, you know, separation between the United States and Mexico and trying to keep uh, immigrants coming in. I'm not talking about that at all. I said last week that I believe that for people to come into our country, they need to get checked out, just like my grandparents were. They had health checks. They had uh, you know, made sure that they weren't criminals or anything like that. I'm not talking about that, so don't politicize me. I'm just talking about divisions between people 
in our lives, people that we could potentially reach by living and sharing the gospel, but we've separated ourselves from them. We need to reach out to others with compassion and kindness so that God can open doors for us and for the gospel. That's what I'm talking about. So, unfortunately today, the fires of division are built up, I think, through the media a lot. You know, certain people feel certain ways about politics, so they watch certain news reports that back what they believe. And somebody who thinks differently watches all the shows and the news reports that they believe in. And it just builds more animosity. I said there comes a time to kind of put that stuff aside and get real with people, okay? And avoid subjects like politics and talk about stuff that's more important. So I ask you to analyze your life and how you know, watching a lot of news makes you feel. It raises my blood pressure, so I have to avoid it, okay? And I just wanna focus on people. I just want to try to be friendly. I wanna to try to get out there and serve, to do good works for people, with the hopes that God can just somehow use me and open a door for the gospel to reach somebody and for somebody to be saved. That's Paul's goal. That was Paul's goal back in, in Bible times, and it should be our goal today. So take a look at your attitudes. Who do you feel you have separated yourself from? Who do you feel animosity toward? Maybe you just need to get out there and interact with some people and try to be kind to them. And you may find that instead of being your enemy, they can be your friend. And God can open a door and use you to share the gospel with them. Because after all, we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, uh, we're faced with uh, a lot of difficulties in this world. As you know, Father, it's a fallen world. And there's a lot of distrust and hatred and war and violence going on. But somehow you have called us to be a light to this world. And Father, it involves a change in attitude toward other people, especially people who are different from us. We can all hang out with people who are similar to us. We all feel comfortable around them. But uh, the gospel is to go out to the whole world and we're not to set boundaries on it. So let us be your servants. Teach us what it means to be a new creation in Jesus Christ. Help us to appreciate that and to live that, Father. Uh, help us to comply with the work the Holy Spirit is doing in us and changing us. So Father, we thank you that we have such an awesome calling. It's not just for our own enjoyment, but you've also given us a commission to uh, preach the gospel, to make disciples, and help us to do that, Father. Help the whole church to do that. And you will draw us all together in unity, people from all races, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds around the world. So thank you, Father, and help us in this way, we pray. And we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.